What's up, guys? Brett Apley here from DailyFanMMA.com. Back with another UFC Quick Picks on the Mayo Media Network. We have UFC 61, UFC Vegas 61, this weekend. Mackenzie Dern versus Yan Jiaonan in the main event. 13 fights on the slate. Should be a good one. Should be an interesting slate as uh, there's apparently no fans allowed in the Apex, no media allowed in the Apex. Just going to be a quiet venue this weekend and we're not totally sure why but i think throws an interesting dynamic into the slate um, before i forget though make sure you're subscribed to this channel mayo media network uh, just so many great videos coming out throughout the week not just for mma but obviously we're full on in the swing of nfl for example so um this is the place to be no matter what sport you follow like the video as well and comment below i want to hear your favorite play in the 8k range i think there's a lot of good options in the 9k range we'll talk about some of them but really what's going to separate you is if you can pick the right fighters in the 8k range so um, always interested to hear who you guys like and don't like as usual i'm going to give you my favorite cash game play of the week tournament play of the week a salary play and a tournament matchup that i want to talk about so without further ado let's get into my cash game play which is going to be mackenzie dern at 9.1k all right in cash games i like but don't love mackenzie dern at 9.1k and i want to kind of start the analysis at that point because I don't know if she is a must play on this slate. There are some good targets in this 9K range, as already mentioned. Yusuf at the top, 9.5. Brown's interesting. Costa, 9.2K. Then Barcelos will gain some traction. Ricci at 8.9K. So there are options outside of Mackenzie Dern um, in cash. However, these names who we're talking about, Yusuf, you know, knockout or bust from a fantasy perspective. Same with Brown. Same with Randy Costa. Barcelos has a little bit of a floor. Ricci has a little bit of a floor. So Mackenzie Dern um, ultimately is minus 240 to win this fight uh, against Zhao Nan. And she has five rounds to work with and she's reasonably priced. So that is why I like her and why I don't love her is because although she's one of the best submission grapplers ever, female submission grapplers at least, and one of the best submission grapplers to ever grace the octagon, in my opinion, she is very, very talented. Her wrestling has just been incredibly poor and inconsistent in the UFC. She is averaging 0.46 takedowns per 15 minutes, which if you take a 15-minute fight, the most likely outcome, therefore, would be that she lands zero takedowns. And for a fighter dependent on wrestling, that you know that's pretty bad. Her takedown accuracy is 9%. Like, there is no guarantee at all that Dern just comes into this fight, lands takedowns, wins by submission. Far from a guarantee, in my opinion. However, from a cash game perspective, you know, let's say Dern struggles to land takedowns for a while well she still gets five rounds of striking action against Xiao Nan and maybe she won't win like she won't win a fight um, with pure striking exchanges but it still gives her a reasonably high floor plus you have the upside that hey she might not even need a takedown she could pull guard win by submission she could clinch up um, you know look to sweep to get on top she could 
dive for a leg lock. Like there are other ways for her to create grappling exchanges outside of takedowns. And like looking at the field, I think she's going to be very popular in cash because she is the main event favorite and she does have grappling and submission upside and she is minus 240 to win and minus 120 to win inside the distance. Those are really good metrics. And it's I don't I don't know if you're going to be comfortable fading Dern. So she's kind of like an easy anchor in cash games, I think, and probably you're going to pair her with one or two other top-end options in cash. I will also say that I think stacking, at least for me, is probably the right call in cash games because her opponent, Yan Nan, at 7.1K, feels like the strongest cash game play in that bottom end. You have other fighters like Guido Canetti, Trinaldo, uh, Don Shinus, who they just don't possess much of a floor or a ceiling either, where, yeah, if Mackenzie Dern goes out there and submits Yan in 30 seconds, great. You're going to get nothing out of Zhao Nan in cash. That's not going to be ideal, but she's a punt play, and you get the the high upside from Dern in cash games because she got the early submission. If Dern doesn't land takedowns quickly, like we've already mentioned, well, now you have Yan at 7.1K, who perhaps would just be the favorite outright in a pure striking fight, who if Dern fails to reach her ceiling and fails to win, at least you're kind of hedged out by Yan um, at a cheaper price tag. So still, it still provides a level of floor and ceiling safety in cash games. So that's kind of why I'm still targeting this main event, um, especially in cash. For tournaments, I do think because of the reasons we've already talked about, there's merit to potentially coming in lighter on Dern, hoping that her lack of wrestling just keeps the fight upright for a little bit longer than people expect. Like if this fight gets into round two, I'm not so sure that Dern ends up on the optimal lineup even with a submission. So, you know, I get favoring Dern for her uh, grappling ability. Yan is not a great defensive wrestler or grappler. So Dern does have upside. I just think historically Dern has shown to be quite weak as a wrestler. So this is not a matchup that I think is so that we should be so confident in. I think it's very possible we see extended striking exchanges, in which case the underdog Yan is is quite live, and I do think she's worth considering as a target in all formats at 7.1K herself. All right, let's move on to tournaments, and let's talk about another top-end option that I really do like. I think you can use them in cash games as well, though it's more risky. Certainly a high-end tournament option, and that's Randy Costa at 9.2K. Costa is one of my favorite targets on the slate. I think the first fight of the night here against Guido Canetti, Costa's minus 290 to win, Canetti plus 245. And, and I mean, this this is this is risky. It's, it would be risky for cash. There's risk in tournaments. But we're targeting the upside here with Randy Costa. Um, Costa's never won a fight outside of round one. I don't think outside of even the second half of round one. He is a early finish or bust type of fighter. And his two wins in the UFC, two-minute knockout, 41-second knockout. His three losses, second-round submission loss, second-round knockout loss, second-round knockout loss. However, he's fighting Guido Canetti here, who's, I think, what, 42 years old? So Costa's going to be 14 years younger than Canetti, and is certainly a better athlete, is more explosive, and I'm just not sure that Kennedy can really 
implement the same type of pace and pressure that Brandon Davis did to beat Costa or Adrian Yanez, who's a legit prospect, or Tony Kelly even, who landed 82 strikes in two rounds. That That's not really Canetti's forte. I mean, the guy averages 3.5 significant strikes per minute. Um, he's never landed 70 strikes in a fight before. He has a little bit of wrestling upside, but just kind of a, a, a weaker athlete and... You know, his wins are against Chris Moutinho, Diego Rivas, and Hugo Viana. Like, this would be a really poor upset if Costa gassed again completely and let old man Kennedy take him out in rounds two or three. Kennedy typically tires, you know, slows down himself. So those are still the risks, though, because outside of round one, Costa has literally never won a fight. So if it gets to round two, then... Um, Perhaps he just doesn't have anything else in the tank. Perhaps he loses outright. However, I really do think he has early knockout upside. Um, Kennedy's just kind of there to be hit in a sense. I mean, defense strikes at 51%. It's not terrible. But, I mean, he was knocked down by Marlon Vera. He was knocked down by Denat Baccarel. He was knocked down by Henry Briones. He's been finished by knockout a couple times, by submission a few times. So, yeah, is Costa guaranteed to win in round one? No, but I really do think the opportunity is there for him. It's It shows up in the metrics too, minus 290 to win, minus 145 inside the distance. So I think Costa is a really strong, albeit boomer bust, but high upside target here, a very realistic path to a first round knockout. I do think he'll be very popular, but also with Dern priced right below him, with Sadiq Yusuf priced right above him. Perhaps the ownership is still held in check, um, and I do like those other fighters as well, but Costa is one of my favorite options on the board in tournaments at 9.2K. All right, moving on to my salary play of the week. I want to talk about Daniel Santos at 7.4K. This may be among like the, the lowest quality group of fighters that I'll talk about, and just wait till you hear what my, uh, my tournament matchup is coming up. But Santos is plus 160 to win against John Castaneda. I did pick Castaneda to win for what it's worth, but Santos is priced at 7.4K. I think that's important here. He's just very, very cheap in a fight that's probably just going to play out on the feet. It's probably going to take place at you know a high pace, and, and there's a lot of variance in those types of um, fights. Santos is 9-2 and two professionally. He has four wins by knockout, a couple wins by submission, and he kind of got beaten up in his UFC debut by Julio Arce. And Santos would just march forward and basically get picked off um, at range by Arce. Arce landed 127 significant strikes, so props to Arce there. But like Arce showed a, a very high level of technique and like range finding ability and defense in that matchup like it, it wasn't as if santos just kind of didn't know what to do and just stood around and and got beaten up like he pressed forward the entire time arce had to land 120 plus strikes to keep him off and yeah he has an excellent jab um showed good defense in the pocket and deserved that win 
I'm just less sure that Castaneda is going to duplicate that type of performance. And Castaneda's look good too. I mean, Castaneda might win by knockout here. He's coming off uh, two finishes in a row against Eddie Wineland and Miles Johns, a competent striker himself. But like, it was only one fight prior where Castaneda got beaten up by Nathaniel Wood, outstruck 131 to 55. And I just feel like Castaneda and Santos may be on a similar level here to the point where it's just going to be a high action fight and they're going to trade punches and Santos is still going to come forward. And yeah, can Castaneda win that type of fight? Sure. But from a pricing standpoint, at 7.4K, am I willing to take chances on Daniel Santos? I think I am. Um, yeah, I said Santos is plus 160 to win, plus 375 to win inside the distance. That's not spectacular, but it's like if you're not, you know, the fighters price below Santos. They're just not that high quality. I mean, if Jessica Penne... Trevin Jones, we talked about Yanjel Nan, we talked about Guido Canetti, 45-year-old Francisco Trinaldo, and he got Don Shanus, who's, you know, Yusuf's minus 1,000 to win. So, like, how much of an investment are you really putting in that range? For me, I, I don't think... I don't think it's going to be a lot. So I prefer to pay up to the mid or high sevens when I can. I think that's where the bulk of the win equity is on this slate. And Santos is just one option. It's not like I will be flag planning him. I still, you know, I'll have shares of Olenek and Borshev and there's other fighters, fighters I'll talk about in, in this range. But um, Santos, I just think the opportunity is there for him to look a little bit better this time than he looked in his debut. And he's being priced like he's an awful fighter because he got, you know, beat up in his UFC debut. But he's probably going to be fighting an opponent who will be more there to hit than Arce was. And Santos is dangerous. I mean, he throws a lot of spinning stuff. Um, just a dangerous tie striker, again, willing to come forward, willing to create a lot of exchanges. So I think there's upside here at this price, and I'm willing to take chances on what's hopefully going to be a, a relatively low-owned fighter in Santos. All right, finally, my tournament match by the week. This one is just so gross in a lot of ways, but I'm going to talk about uh, Julija Stoliarenko versus Chelsea Chandler. Uh, Stoliarenko is 8.2K. Chandler is 8K. Stoliarenko is is like a just a very low level fighter and she's what 10 and 6 professionally i think or 11 and 6 um 10 of her wins have come by submission and i'm pretty sure the vast majority if not all of them have come by first round armbar when she does not win by first round armbar she generally just does not win at all and it's because she's doesn't have a deep striking game she doesn't have a deep offensive or defensive wrestling game and yeah she she has an arm bar but like her depth of submission grappling isn't there either she was just choked out by julia avila you know a couple fights prior to her most recent win which came against jessica rose clark which was by first round armbar and she landed a takedown in the in round one got the armbar quickly and put up a, a decent score on DraftKings. that was let me check that was 123 points because it, it came in the first uh the first minute yeah it came in the first minute so um that's kind of stoli ceiling and it doesn't mean that she is always forever only going to win by that method but when Stoliarenko wins, 
typically it's going to come from grappling and probably a submission. And so do I have a lot of faith in her? No, not not at all. I don't think she's I don't I don't think she's very good, you know, point blank, but from a DraftKings perspective at 8.2k at a relatively low ownership, I think Stoli Ranko has upside. And her opponent Chelsea Chandler is making her UFC debut 4 and 1 professionally coming out of Invicta. And <laughs> I mean, Chandler is just super aggressive basically is is the strength she has she comes forward she throws hands at a high rate and she's a purple belt in jiu-jitsu and she likes to grapple the problem is she doesn't really have any takedown defense so i could easily easily see stoli Orenko landing takedowns getting on top of her and having those submission attempts early but Stoli Ranko doesn't have any defense either. I mean, she's defending takedowns at 62%. She's given up takedowns to three of her last four opponents, and she can get held down for, for many minutes at a time. I think, on the whole, Chandler is actually probably a better grappler. On the regional scene, you know, she's shown more than just an armbar. She's shown back take abilities, you know, rear naked choke ability. Uh, I've seen decent Kimura sweeps. Like, I don't necessarily know that she's the type to just get taken down and get subbed by an armbar. Purple Bell uh, as a Caesar Gracie, or Purple uh, Purple Bell in Caesar Gracie, I, I think I think there's a decent chance that Chandler is just the better submission grappler here. And ultimately, I think there's a very good chance that we're going to see grappling exchanges because neither girl has much or any defense. Both girls typically want to fight on the mat, so if they start trading for a few minutes early and, and, and Stoli Ranko's getting hit, what, what's Stoli Ranko going to look to do? She's going to look to wrestle or pull guard and, and try and work grappling exchanges. If Chandler's getting hit, what is she going to try to do? She's going to try and clinch up and wrestle. And because both girls lack defense, I just think we're going to see this fight play out on the ground, which means the potential for takedowns, reversals, control, ground and pound, and submissions. And it's going to be a total mess, but I also don't think the field is really going to target this one because it's super gross. Why would they? Uh, Stoli Renko's minus 115 to win. Chandler's minus 105 to win. Inside distance lines, you know, actually favors it to go the, to go the distance. Uh, minus 150 goes the distance. So I just... Maybe there'll be some ownership on Stoli Aranko because she's coming off a win, but I really think these girls are going to be low-owned, in which case I think it perhaps presents an opportunity to come in a little bit overweight, just kind of target the messy grappling, and hope we can get 90 to 100-plus points from the winner. Um, you know, because there's, there's not a lot of other super confident fighters in this mid-range. A lot of people will go stars and scrubs, and that's fine, but... Um, if you're looking in the mid-range, I do think this matchup presents an opportunity based on the number of grappling exchanges and the lack of defense on both sides. So that's all I'm going to say about that matchup. Uh, let's hope it, it plays out um, in our favor on Saturday. I want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you for the support, as always. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, at BradAppley, double T, double P. DailyFanMMA.com for all your DraftKings breakdowns needs. Just posted like 15,000 words worth of content for Saturday. Still got projections, rankings, uh, premium podcast, all that stuff coming up. So uh, best of luck this week, guys. Take care. Stay safe. We'll talk to you all soon. Peace.